Good morning. It's great to be able to uh, speak to you again. It's uh, it's been a long journey this COVID nineteen, hasn't it? This uh, pandemic that we're experiencing, and I've really missed not seeing a lot of people uh, from this church. So, as uh, Evan pointed out, uh, great to sort of interact with you in this way. And we look forward to very soon, hopefully, uh, meeting again, together again in this church. We're continuing our, our series on the Holy Spirit, but that's not really what the series is about. If you can remember, the idea is that we're looking at our fourth strategic priority, which is, which is the word become. And the idea of that is that we become what? Christ-like. And, and a big part of becoming Christ-like is the is what the Holy Spirit, which is indwelling in every believer who has trusted Jesus Christ, his role in helping us to become Christ-like. And so this morning we, we were starting another little section on the Holy Spirit, which is not about the spiritual gifts, but about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, in a similar way, uh, my role today is to give you a foundation, a basis of, of what this uh, uh, concept is and our, our participation in it, our role in it, the Spirit's role in it. I'm not going to actually mention any of those nine um, characteristics. Uh, that's uh, David Wilson's job over the next two Sundays. So it's his job to do that. But I'm going to give you a basis of um, of the subject. And once again, our desire is to do this in a biblical way and based on what the scriptures reveal to us. Over the years, uh, I've been here at Monty for nearly 22 years now. And over the years, I, as I've been asked to speak, I've shared little bits and pieces about my life. Uh, most of it has been... Uh, you know, as a young adult, uh, an older person, and lately a much older person. But this morning, I'd like to share with you a little story, a little glimpse of when I was uh, much, 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 much younger, uh, when I was about 10 to 12 years of age. Uh, I had an uncle, and he wasn't a real uncle. He was, the, you know, the Clayton's uncles, you know, the uncles that uh, probably... Even better than your real uncles, you know, they're just really good friends of mum and dad, and this is what these this this couple were great friends of mum and dad, and uh, you know he he was like an uncle to me. I called him uncle, and we lived in Pasco Vale, right next door to Rayburn Reserve, which may not mean anything to you, but that's where the Pasco Vale Football Club uh, played its home grounds, and you know what? They wore the Essendon jumper. And that's how I started to barrack for Essendon, thinking that, that that was part of the Essendon football team, but it wasn't. But but also, it was at Pasco Vale where I played all my junior football. So I really, I really loved Pasco Vale, so much so that Paul and I bought our first house there in Pasco Vale. Anyway, this uncle of mine, he, he was a keen gardener, and he had a yard. In Pasco Vale, the blocks are huge, almost as big as the ones here around in Monty, but huge block. 
and he had a, a yard full of fruit trees, all sorts of fruit trees. You know, there was there were peach trees, nectarine trees, apricot tree. There was a couple of variety of apple trees. Uh, there was the obligatory lemon tree, but it was a great tree. Well, let me tell you, huge amounts of lemons every year. And I, and I remember my uncle was really, being Italian, you know, really keen to, to grow grapes. And then, you know, make his homemade wine from that. Now, he was also a welder by trade. And so he welded up all this trellis, really high trellis, which was not smart because you can't net anything that high. Anyway, those grapes were, were a total disaster because the birds were the ones that enjoyed it and we could never, <laughs> my uncle could never grow enough grapes to make even a bottle of wine, let alone a cask, you know, a big barrel's worth. But there was this one tree this one particular tree in the yard, just outside the back door, which was uh, a great tree. It was a plum tree. But let me tell you, it wasn't just an ordinary plum tree. No, because my, my, my uncle was a really, really keen gardener and he would try all sorts of things and he loved grafting, grafting things onto different plants. And this plum tree had four other plum varieties grafted on by my uncle over a period of time, four different varieties of plums. So the tree actually had five, five varieties of plums. Now the tree, if I can remember right, was actually a, a, um, a blood plum tree originally, and he also had had Angelina plums, which were my favourite, uh, grafted on there. They're, they're really deep purple with a yellow flesh, and when they're ready to eat, there's nothing better than an Angelina plum, let me tell you. And then there was the sugar plum. He grafted a sugar plum uh, on it. Uh, I think it was a golden drop was another one. And then there was another one that was sort of a, a, a very yellowy-coloured plum and it had a sort of a, a light green coloured flesh inside. I, I can't remember the name of it. And I couldn't remember it. I couldn't find it anywhere uh, on the, on the, uh, the web. But those five plums were on that one tree. It was a magnificent tree to look at when it was in, in full bloom with, with all the fruit on all those different plums. Huge tree, fantastic to look at. If I could get that slide of the... Um, not that one. The next one, please. Yep. Now, here's a here's a picture. Now, this this is a picture of a fruit salad tree. Now, you'll notice that on that on that uh, plant there are grapefruit, there are lemons, there are oranges, uh, there are limes, there are mandarins, and a couple other citrus fruits. That's an actual fruit salad tree. And all those, all those different fruits, varieties are grafted on the main trunk of a citrus tree. And it, they grow like that. You, you can't get that at Bunnings. You have to go to a real nursery to get that. You know, Flemings make uh, a whole heap of those uh, type of uh, fruit salad trees. Uh, they're called multi-grafted. Let me, can I have the next slide please, Devin? Let me show you another tree. And you're not going to find that tree anywhere because that's a fake tree. You notice there's bananas growing on it, avocados and some pears, all in the one tree. That doesn't work like that. You see, you can only grow fruit of the same variety, same family. For example, you can get stone fruit multi-grafted trees or citrus trees 
that are multigraft and you can grow lemons and all sorts of things. And apple trees are very good tea. Lots of varieties of apples can be grown on one tree. But you cannot grow bananas on a citrus tree and you can't grow oranges on a cherry tree. You just can't do it. They need to belong to the same family group or the same family variety for in order to, to be grafted. So, and it's a very, the reason I'm telling you this story, not just to tell you a bit about my life, but you see, there's a misconception about what the fruit of the Spirit is. And that misconception is that it's different types of fruits. A bit like that last uh, picture that I showed you. And, and the fruit of the Spirit is nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. It is a single fruit. A single product of the Christian life. And the other interesting thing about the fruit, if you can remember back about a few weeks back anyway, a few Sundays back, we were talking about the main differences about the gift, a natural talent, and, and the fruit. Well, can you remember that the, the gift was what? It's given. And the, the talent was what? It was inherited. And so the fruit is grown. It's grown. And that's a big distinction between the gift and the fruit, both uh, from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's heavily involved in both things, but completely different. And do you remember that the gift was given, one particular gift given to one individual and then another gift to a, another individual at the discretion of the, the Holy Spirit. And I made a really big point that nobody, no one at all, has all the spiritual gifts. Do you remember that? I hope so. I stressed it often enough. And the fruit is so different to that because the fruit is evident in every believer no exception and we'll see in a minute that there are nine different aspects of that and it's evident in every believer without exception doesn't matter who you are how old you are and the fruit is given to the believer by the holy spirit in order to exhibit a bit a little bit like what uh um, Evan shared earlier about exhibiting the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Can I have the next slide, please, Devin? And the analogy of fruit that we have in Scripture is is it's mentioned so many times. It's it's fascinating. And and the the analogy that that the Apostle Paul has given us here of the fruit of the Spirit is very apt. You see, fruit, fruit doesn't appear all at once, does it, on a, on a fruit tree? It doesn't. First of all, if you've been noticing, in springtime, you get the blossom. No blossom, no fruit. But that's how it starts. And then when the blossom goes, you'll notice a little tiny little bud. Sometimes it actually looks like the fruit that it's growing. And it's very small. And usually hard, extremely hard. And, and very um, vibrant in colour. And as it grows, as, as the fruit grows, 
then then you start to see what that actually is, is is looking like. You know, if it's an apple tree, it looks like an apple, and so on. And then that's not that's not the end of it. Then it has to mature. That's when you start to really get a bit of colour. Uh, that, that grape uh, bunch of grapes is a really great picture. You can see the process, can't you? Has some of them aren't quite ready. They're not quite mature. Some of them are really dark in colour, very mature. And if you were Pick that grape, it probably would taste okay. But the fruit hasn't all matured at the same time. And you know, and if you're in any sort of a gardener, you know that fruit can be affected by climate. I remember a few years back when a big cyclone came through uh, Queensland. And, it, and one of the things that affected it, all the big banana plantations all had their trees flattened. And bananas were about $20, not a kilo, each practically. In fact, there was a bit of a black market on bananas there for a while. And then the environment that the, that the tree finds itself in, you know, the soil, whether there's a drought environment or the flooding, or it affects the fruit. It really does. And not to mention pests. And Paul here in this passage in Galatians gives us a really great illustration of what he means by all that. I love, I love where he talks about in verse 19 of chapter 5, he says that the, 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 the sinful acts of nature are obvious. And he's talking about the flesh nature, the things that, that, that naturally come to us, the characteristic traits of being a human being. They're obvious what they are. And by, by, by the same reasoning in verse 20 he says, he says, but the fruit of the spirit, well that's obvious too. It becomes obvious. The fruit is, is evident no matter what stage is at. Well, once the blossom goes, the fruit is there. It starts. It grows. It's evident. It defines the tree, doesn't it? When you, when you go out and, and have a look at a fruit tree, it doesn't take you very long to work out what it is because the fruit, even though it might be small or different colour than it normally is, you can see that it is an orange tree or a lemon tree or a banana tree or a cherry tree. You can tell. You're left in no doubt. And that's what the apostle here is getting uh, across to us, that it's quite evident whether you're a believer of Jesus Christ or not by the fruit. And if we live by the Spirit, it will be evident, and something again that Evan pointed out, it would be evident to everyone who we belong to, who we belong to. And that's the idea that the Apostle Paul is uh, trying to convey here. And I love in verse 24, because it uses one of the, another word of our strategic priority. Verse 24, it says, those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the sinful uh, sinful nature with his passions and desires. And so those who belong to Christ should no longer evident should no longer have the evidence of the sinful flesh but more more the evident of the evidence of the the um, the living in the spirit the fruit of the spirit our fruit our fruit as Christians should be evident to all. It's not just evident, it's the evidence of a changed life. You know, when my uncle uh, cut off a, a, a big branch off that plum tree that was growing blood plums and he grafted in, he grafted in the, uh, whatever it might have been, the Angelina plum, say. 
the next season, when it's budded, after the, after the, the, I can't remember whether they had the same colour blossoms, but after the blossom, uh, disappeared, and the fruit started to, to, to come, my uncle would go out and have a look at that particular branch to see whether or not the Angelina plum was growing. And if it had been a blood plum, he would have been very disappointed. But that's not what happened, because it wasn't an angel, it wasn't a blood plum branch. It was an Angelina plum branch. And so the fruit that was evident was Angelina plums. And it should be like that in our lives. The fruit that we exhibit in our daily living, the things that we do day to day, not just as part of our worship, but part of our nature, should be, should evidence the fact that we belong to Jesus Christ. Christians belong to Jesus Christ. And you know, when the Lord was here, if you go through the Gospels, the four Gospels, and you look at his life, and you take a bit of time just to carefully examine his words and his actions, you will see that the Lord, when he came here, he characterised this thing that we're looking at here, the fruit of the Spirit. Except it wasn't the fruit of the Spirit then, was it? It was his character. He exhibited love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I love the Lord's self-control. Something I've tried to emulate because, you know, it's, it's one of those things you, to, to live a discipline. You think of the aggro and the needling and the things that were said about him. The lies. And I love this self-control. But that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It is the, the, the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's task is to what? Change us into becoming more like Jesus Christ. There's a common, a common misunderstanding, uh, with regard to this topic, a lot of people talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Perhaps I could have that next slide, please, Devin. The different types of fruits that will grow within a believer's heart. It's an easy, uh, an easy uh, mistake to make. You know, people type, tend to think that perhaps that's what it's referring to. You know, you've got the different types of fruits, you know, the, the love fruit and the patience fruit and so on. There are, we've read them, haven't we, a list of nine, what? A lot of people, a lot of commentators say they're attributes. Some of them refer to them as virtues. You know, the older, the older writers use the word virtues. And the more modern commentators call them the graces of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit. But I'd like, to, I'd like to use another word that some other commentators use because it really it makes me understand it easier. I'm pretty simple. Hopefully you'll understand it too. But it's the characteristics, and there are not. And some people think that it can easily be misunderstood to think that there are nine individual fruits or nine individual characteristics. And look, you could maybe, maybe understand it that way. But if you do, it, it could lead you into error, into thinking of, oh well, I don't have the the fruit of patience, or oh, I don't have the fruit of of gentleness. Well, I don't have uh, the fruit of self-control. Okay. That's why it's important to know what the Bible says. 
Oranges are in season at the moment. This is a navel orange, Australian. And they're on special at Weir Street. That uh, The degree grows are there. $4.50 a bag. Beautiful. It's obviously an orange. Yeah? It can't be anything else. It's not a lemon. It's not a banana. It's an orange. But let me tell you about this orange. It has... Uh, Skin. My granddaughter has told me that uh, there are pith. There's pith. There's this white thing in there, no, no, and and I don't like eating it. So oranges also has a pith in there. There's the uh, the flesh, you know, the bit that you actually eat, and then there's the juice, and of course, let's not forget the seed. So, what's an orange? An orange is skin, pith, flesh, juice, and pip. That's an orange. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Same thing. Love, joy, peace. One fruit. But the fruit itself is made up of a a number of uh, different aspects of it, isn't it? And I think that's what Paul's trying to, to actually describe. How do I know that? Let me just put that back there. Because the Greek word that Paul used, and he could have used two words. The Greek word that he used is, is karpos. And sorry, Desi, if I didn't pronounce that right. It's a singular word for fruit. Because there is a, another word you could use for fruits. Completely different word. But he chose this word so that we wouldn't misunderstand the the concept of what he's trying to say. That the fruit of the Spirit is made up of all those nine attributes. And the word actually means the product of. You see, This this here is the product of an orange tree. Not a pith tree or a flesh tree or a juice tree. It is the product or the effect of or the result of is what sometimes it's used, uh, the way it's used. And Paul in in Galatians 5 uh, describes not fruits or different kinds of fruit. Can I have a look at uh, the next slide, please, Devin? But one fruit. So even that picture isn't quite correct. Now, a lot of these uh, pictures I've actually gotten off the... uh, the internet and from Christian sites, you know, whenever you Google things, you know, yeah. And, and, and why you might think, oh yeah, they're all apples, Raph, but it's see, individually, individually, that picture shows you that, oh, there's a little love apple and a patience apple and so on. That's not quite right either. You see, See, in the earlier chapter of, uh, the early part of chapter 5 in Galatians, which we didn't have time to read, um, it, Paul mentions what the natural product of, of the flesh is and what it produces. That's in verses 19 to 21. If you get a chance to read it later, please do so. And in verses 22 to 23, here we have the natural product of the Holy Spirit. That's what this, this is what the Holy Spirit produces. This is the fruit. Not the fruits, but the fruit. The result of the Holy Spirit living in you and me, in the believer, 
This is what happens. This is the fruit of it. All and the 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 reading that we had and in other places in Scripture, it talks about it talks about um, the natural product of of the Holy Spirit. Could I have a, a, the next slide, please, Devin? Okay. Now, if you were to read about this uh, this topic and in Galatians, a lot of commentators would talk about the grape because that probably pictures or encapsulates the idea of fruit you see more like a bunch of grapes you know all those attributes that's all part of 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 the bunch of grapes yeah you can have an individual grape and it's but it's part of the bunch isn't it and and the bunch of grapes is the fruit of the vine and christ likeness christ likeness is christ like character and that's what the Holy Spirit's charged to do in the believer's life. Not just give us spiritual gifts that uh, we can minister to, to the people of God, but Christ-like characters. Do you know, I think I mentioned it before, but we have been predestined by God to become like his son. It's part of the divine plan. And this is how it's, it's done. And fruit should be found in all Christians. I guess that's perhaps something that we can examine ourselves with. You know, am I really a Christian? Do I really believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord? What evidence is, is there of that in my life? All Christians, all believers, all followers, the fruit of the Spirit. Can I have that, that, that next slide, please, Devin? Okay, now if you were going to, now you've got to sort of, I couldn't do this any other way, but you've got to take, just forget about the fact that it's shaped like a pear, alright? But that's what the idea of this passage is, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is, one single fruit, and it's all made up of those nine attributes. But there's only one fruit, it's all part of it. You can't have, you can't have an orange. A complete orange. You can't have it without without the pith. Unless you peel the skin off. Yeah? It makes sense, doesn't it? Does it make sense to you? I love the way the way Paul has used that analogy. The fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. Now I'm going to take you to another passage in Scripture and quickly we're going to read it together because our time is going. In chapter 15 of John. John chapter 15, here's what it says. It says, I am the true vine. And the Lord wrote, spoke these words. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If any man remains in me and I him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my fa- this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that's from the Lord himself. The world, you know, desperately needs to see and experience the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ. That, not just because it's COVID-19, not, not, not for that reason alone, but because of the mess that we're in, the families, the way we treat one another, the, the greed, the violence, the anger. So the world desperately needs to see the character of Christ, to show them what, what, what we were meant to be like, what life meant to be, meant to look like. And that's the divine plan. But the divine plan wants the world to experience and taste this fruit and enjoy this fruit through us. Through us. Fruit's no good unless it's picked and eaten, is it? That's when it's mostly enjoyed. That's when, that's when the tree actually does what it's supposed to do. You not just produce fruit, but there's a reason it produces fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is Christ-likeness displayed by, displayed by those nine traits. As I said, they will be explained to us in great detail over the next few weeks. And John 15 tells us some very interesting things about how this fruit develops. If you're a keen gardener, you can see that this, you can see this pattern out there all the time. There's, there's seven things I want to quickly bring to your attention. First of all, it makes it really clear, doesn't it, in chapter 15, verse 1, that there's a rootstock. Very important to have a good rootstock, you know, the main branch. And that rootstock is Jesus Christ. He's, he's the rootstock. And then we read very quickly after that that there's a gardener. You know, every orchard has a gardener, someone that looks after the fruit, the, the trees and, and so forth. And, and he says that, the Lord says, my father's the gardener. So we've got God as the gardener. And then, and then there's a process uh, that's not actually mentioned, but it's implied there, of grafting. Now what's grafting? Grafting is when you take another branch off another plant. And you do little bits and things to the end of it. You dip it in some rooting hormone or so, whatever. And then you slice the main branch and you slide it in, you tape it up. That's salvation. We were lost. We weren't part of Jesus Christ. We weren't part of God's plan. But in God's love and in his grace and mercy, he grafted us in. Through salvation. And then if you know anything about gardening, and this applies to some flowers too, like roses, etc. When you graft a plant, the graft is here and there's a bit below the graft and the bit above the graft. The bit above the graft is what produces all the good things, whether it be flowers, roses, plant. And then the bit below the graft, there is, can still, from time to time, little shoots grow out, come out. They're part of the old rootstock. Not a great analogy, you know, for this one, but, but that's one of the reasons why you graft it in. And sometimes in our lives, the, the, the things that we used to do tend to sprout out below the graft. Yeah, Christians aren't perfect. We still do wrong things from time to time. 
And if they become a little bit more regular, something needs to be done. You need to, you need to prune those things out. Prune out the old nature. And it also talks about pruning above the graft line too. Because in, in nature, all the, all the good fruit and, and, in, and in roses, for example, all the good flowers grow on what? New wood, new growth. And we read, didn't we, that God's desire, the gardener's desire, is that we bear much fruit. And so pruning's involved. And sometimes that can be a little bit painful too, you know, pruning. You know, even though the shears might be sharp, it's painful sometimes. But that's okay. A, a plant that's pruned, is, it's done, the reason it's done is that the garden, because the gardener cares for the plant and wants to see it bloom to its full potential. And the fruit bearing, and we talked, we read down, if you look very carefully, it talks about bearing fruit, bearing much fruit. And, uh, so some, you know, fruit bearing is, 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 is desired, it, it's, it's more or less automatic, but God's desire is not that we just bear fruit, brothers and sisters, but that we bear much fruit. The increased yield. So there's some key aspects, isn't there? In that passage, in what we were reading early in Galatians, that uh, we can take to heart and think about these things as we talk about these, this fruit of the Spirit, these different characteristics in the next few weeks. Now, the key aspects that we have here is that we cannot succeed without the, the rootstock. And the rootstock is guaranteed. It's quality rootstock. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Son of God himself. And we can identify... We can identify with Jesus Christ because we are grafted in. We are part of him. And, and the, the fruit that we bear identifies us with the tree, with the vine in, in, this, in this particular instance. And the fruit we read there, this is really interesting, a little bit what uh, it goes back to what even Evan said earlier. It's very interesting that the fruit, it says, the fruit not only glorifies the tree, but it, but it brings greater glory to the gardener. You know? My, my uncle, whenever you went and spoke, you know, like checked out his garden, especially that lemon tree, you know, he was all, yeah, like, you know, he was actually producing the lemons. But, you know, everyone talks about my uncle's lemon tree, not the lemon tree itself. It's his, you know, it brings glory to the Father. And that's what all this Christ-likeness is all about, isn't it? Even in our mission, even in our strategic prayer, what's it all for? Not that we might boast and show off to the neighbours in our neighbourhood. No, it's in order that the kingdom might grow. Nothing brings greater glory to God than his kingdom growing. Let's just close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are a loving and kind God, but a God who, who is interested in all of us, intimately seeking to, to develop us, to improve us, to nurture us, to bring us to our full potential. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was here, said, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And we read a little bit about that early, uh, in chapter 15 of John as well. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that you care. I thank you, Father, that you love. And I thank you, Father, that you care and love enough 
that sometimes it causes us a bit of pain while you seek to to do your will in our life. And Father, I just think about the, the next few weeks as we look at these different uh, characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. And Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity not just to hear about them and listen to good preaching about them, but also, Father, to examine our lives just to see what what sort of quality fruit we are producing in our own lives. Help us, Father, to, to be honest with ourselves, to challenge ourselves and have hearts that are willing to uh, correct whatever is necessary so that we might bear not just fruit, but much fruit to your glory. Father, I thank you for your love and care. I pray that you would keep us all safe in the coming week. We live in in troubled times, strange times, and Father, we just pray for your guidance and care. And this we do in the Saviour's precious name. Amen.